From the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly. I got to say, love the name Max. That's my my puppy dog's (laughs) name. Uh, Who have just recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs. It actually makes learning pretty cool. Yeah. Now, I listened to this with my son, and it was so fun to listen to. I loved how modern it was with a cool ant that they really dug, and like they dealt with bullies. Uh, My son also enjoyed all the math involved. Like He thought it was really cool. Well, and I have to say, I love anything that brings learning and fun together for kids. I really, really wish that something like this was around for my teens when they were younger. We would have absolutely devoured this on our car trips. It would have been amazing. It's perfect for kids ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by my co-host, Brie Tucker. What? Hello, hello. Oh, I jumped in too soon. Well, I, I kind of I, I kind of surprised you with the long stretch out of the err. Yes, <laughs> yes. The the amazing effects that we can do. The amazing effects. With just our voices. We are so <laughs> professional. We're like professional podcasters and (laughs) we are so professional we are like so there (laughs) yeah oh my gosh it's so funny it's funny that actually oh segue here we go here's how professional we are what because today in our podcast dana abraham talks about and Bree's like i see where you're going with this i'm giving her my my you are good you're smooth she talks about smooth criminal yeah she talks about how like as educators a lot of us go into the profession thinking that we know so so much and then we get caught at home with an issue that we've advised other parents on we're like oh this is it right this is what we have to deal with i have totally had that Mm -hmm. and you talk about that a lot with With, camden with homework oh my gosh with homework i was like you just need to like get a quiet area make sure to do it at like the certain time each day that's the advice i gave parents and now i wish i could go back and be like don't listen to her (laughs) (laughs) i just i come back to yeah and mine being early childhood oh man like you're never a better parent to someone having a newborn baby Mm -hmm. than when you're not a parent yeah you were the best parent then because you're like oh yeah this is what you do because and and you're Uh. not dealing with sleep deprivation or your body aching or recovering from like a major like either maybe it's operation like if you had a c-section or just like pushing a baby out of your body or having multiple children like mine are only 15 months apart so that would be hard i don't know how you did that man i did that i think there was a lot of naps a lot of kids sitting in the swing watching baby einstein oh yeah (laughs) i have a neighbor down the street and she's pregnant right now but she has a three-year-old boy and a one and a half year old girl and i'm like how do you do this why do you do this well <laughs> my kids are like four and a half years apart and so that was a good gap for me but i oh i was completely underwater during the toddler years there's pluses and minuses i mean so it, you know mine weren't quite irish twins but they were pretty darn close mm-hmm. and i would say that um and i don't even know where that term comes from but uh, i just remember my doctor saying that to me when i told her we were expecting mm-hmm. but anyways the positive
positive was I got to go through everything in one fell swoop. It was like ripping off that Band-Aid. We did all the potty training together. We went through the diaper phase together. We went through like and even now you hear me talk about all the time like my kids do pretty much everything about the same time frame because Mm -hmm. they're the same age roughly. But on the flip side, man, is it hard because you're going through everything at once. And now my biggest fear that I have is I have both of them becoming teenagers at the same time. Uh, Both of them are going to start driving within a year of each other. (laughs) And both of them are going to go to college within a year of each other. That's (laughs) crazy. That's so crazy. Yeah. So you will hear Dana talk about that. Uh, She is all about being aware of our sensory needs, which I, after our conversation, I find it so, so interesting. So if you don't know who Dana is, she is the founder of the Calm the Chaos Framework. She's the best-selling author of the Super Kids Activity Guide to Conquering Every Day and the founder of the popular blog, Lemon Lime Adventures. And we hope you enjoy our conversation with Dana. Okay, planning dinner. Oh my gosh. If I don't have a plan for dinner for the week, I I mean, we resort to making quesadillas and like <laughs> cooking some chicken in the oven and oh, it just it yeah. ends up being not great for me. That's soup and sandwich in our house. Yeah. Or macaroni cheese bar night. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, like I I don't like planning meals because you might get to a day in the week where you're like, I just don't feel like preparing a meal. Like it's just too long. Or I don't feel like eating that tonight. So it becomes really difficult, which is why I like eat at home meal plans because all the meals in this plan, they're so delicious. My family loves most of them, which is saying something with two picky kid eaters. And they're usually really easy to prepare, like less than 20 minutes a piece. Uh, and it saves me from making decisions about what to eat each night. She gives you a grocery list at the beginning of each week and it's color coded by recipes. So if you see one recipe and you're like, I'm not really down with that one, you just cross all of that off the grocery list of that color and you're good to go. So eat at home meal plans, go try them out. They're at noguiltmom.com backslash eat dash at dash home. And you can get 25% off when you use the discount code noguiltmom. And now on with the show. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Hey, Dana, welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. We are so excited to have you here. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much. It's great because like you're a fellow NBCT, a national board certified teacher, at least like you've gone through the process like I have as well. And I feel like, like we know something about it there. (laughs) (laughs) It's, I mean, it's the same as like going through your master's or a doctor, you know, doing your dissertation type of stuff. I think people who don't know about it are like, wait, what, what did you do? (laughs) Yeah. They're like, wait, what? And I feel like it was more intense than going through my master's, honestly. Like it was, it was intense. So it is intense. Welcome. Welcome. And you, you've lived in Arizona too, for a little bit. So that's another common thing. I have. Oh, we're in Arizona. I was on the border of Mesa and Tempe. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. We're in the East Valley. So there's like a canal. Yep. 
Okay. Yep, okay. We're in the East Valley. We're in the Chandler area. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know exactly where that is. Yeah. So I lived Mesa on that, on a border. And then I taught in Tempe. Mm-hmm. It was my first year teaching ever was in Tempe. And I was a Tempe teacher as well for five years. And I worked for the Tempe wow. district as well. She worked for Tempe. So we have Tempe in the house. Oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. 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 Arizona is represented. Exactly. I feel like Arizona, we need to represent because we get such like a bum rap from ASU sometimes, <laughs> which is improving. It is improving. I am a proud Sun Devil. Bree is not a proud Sun Devil. Well, I'm not, not okay. There. I went to school <laughs> in the Midwest. So I, I'm a transplant. I didn't come out here yeah. after I graduated. I don't think anyone from Arizona is from Arizona. I think most of them. Are. <laughs> I'm from Arizona. She's homegrown. Oh my goodness. Home Joanne is but, a homegrown. But I, I did the thing where I grew up in Tucson and I was a traitor to the U of A. And I went came to, ASU. Up to ASU. Yeah. See, and people that aren't from Arizona, they don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't think they know about that rivalry going on here. It's, it's a big. It's one. serious, people. This is a real <laughs> throwdown out here. <laughs> So for those of our audience who don't know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about you and your story? Yeah. So I am Dana and I'm the founder of Calm the Chaos and Lemon Lime Adventures. I'm also the author of bestselling books, Super Kids Activity Guide to Conquering Every Day and Sensory Processing 101. I got started as Joanne already said, I was a teacher and national board certified teacher, early childhood education, was in the classroom for 12 years favorite kiddos were the ones that came with a list behind them of different labels. And, you know, they're the ones that everybody knew you were warned about. And I, for some reason, just had a heart for them. I think it was because I myself challenged all of my teachers and grownups in my life when I was growing up. And uh, my brother was extremely challenging growing up. And I saw so many people not be able to see him for who he was. He later was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So I I was raised with a brother who was extremely explosive. So my whole life has kind of been building up to this moment where I'd have a kid and I would know exactly what I was doing, except for that my kid was that challenging kid. And so about seven years ago, it kind of came to a head. My son was really struggling at school. Once he went into public school, it became a real struggle. And by the time he was in second grade, I was getting calls daily. He was suspended more days than he was actually in school. And this one particular day, I got a call from school and they were like, you need to come as fast as you possibly can. I lived 40 minutes away from the school and I'm nine months pregnant waddle into the car, drive there as fast as I can. And I walk into this sea of people. Yeah. I mean, the whole staff was there. In addition to the whole staff, there was also the police. And my son was inside of a glassed in room and he was (sighs) acting like a caged animal. And yeah. And I look at all the professionals and I'm just defeated. I'm like, here I am national board certified teacher, I'm giving presentations to many of these teachers who are coming to my presentations. And I walk in and they're like, yeah, your kid, your kid's the one that we had to call the police on. And they all look at me. And what came out of their mouth next was kind of a pivotal moment. It was, it just came out of nowhere. Nothing was going on. No reason at all. He just lost it. And we put him in here to keep him safe. And he's just going ballistic. And when I sat down with the principal, she said, look, you need to take your son and you need to figure out what's wrong with him and don't bring him back until you figure it out. And it was in that moment that I realized that he deserved better, that I deserved better and that the school deserved better. I knew that they were doing the best they could. I knew 
as a teacher that I wasn't trained in this. I knew that they were doing everything they could, but their best wasn't good enough. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I made it my mission that day to make sure that he never had to feel that way again and that no parent had to feel the way I felt. So my whole goal was basically I wanted him to not hate himself for not fitting in because I saw what that did to my brother when he didn't fit in, when he kept getting kicked out of schools. I mean, he's now homeless. And actually last time I checked, he's in jail. And cause he never felt that connection to people. He was always ostracized for his behavior. So I didn't want him to hate himself. I also didn't want him to hate the people around him because I saw mm-hmm. my brother blame my mom and my mom was doing everything she possibly could. She just didn't have the tools she needed. And I thought I can't let him grow up and hate the people around him or hate himself. And so that is when I started uh, Lemon Lime Adventures and just sharing kind of the raw and messy process of figuring out how to help my son. That, that is an amazing story. That is oh an my amazing gosh. story. Talk about yeah. finding your purpose too. Yeah. Like the struggles that like I always believe that those challenges that we're faced with in life, they're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. There is some purpose out of them. Mm-hmm. So I just, oh my goodness, my heart is huge right now. That's amazing. <laughs> so ha- hey all, it is Joanne and Bree here. And we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like streetcar tracks, and my bike's tire, like, went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just, like, skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And (laughs) active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. 
Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. How long ago was that, that you started Lemon Lime Adventures? It was about almost eight years now. Eight years. And I can so relate to the story in terms of a teacher because like we weren't trained in that as a teacher. We had no idea when when I had kids with a long list of things in my classroom and something happened, like my course like of action was always, okay, you need to call uh, the Sparks. They're called Sparks and Tempe, Mm -hmm. the Sparks teachers, and they'll come up and help, but you don't get any training. So I love that your mission is just to give people that training of what Mm -hmm. to do so that we can help more kids fit in. Yeah. And simplify it. It doesn't have to be so hard. It doesn't have to be saved for the experts. It doesn't have to be saved for a a certain category of people. So what I found in raising my son and going through all of this and feeling like a failure myself was, wait a second, like what I'm learning as he's getting diagnoses and as he's getting put into these boxes and labels, the stuff I'm learning about every parent needs, every teacher Mm -hmm. needs. And so how do we simplify this? So it's not just the experts that are getting it. And then how do we simplify it enough so that the experts that parents rely on doctors, teachers, those first touch people, how can we simplify it enough so that they understand it? So they're not then blaming the parent, they're not then telling the parent, figure out what's wrong with them go to right. go to some outside expert to figure out what's wrong with them. Yeah. Can you um, explain a little bit what like sensory processing is and what yeah. troubles these kids are having? Yeah. So the first thing I really want to talk about with sensory processing is that all humans have sensory needs, likes and dislikes. And sensory processing is just the way that our brain and our body interprets and responds to the world around us. So you know, we've all heard that we have five senses. And as teachers, we've probably taught the five senses, right? I'm assuming you guys have probably taught that if you taught early childhood at yeah. all, right? I was a fifth grade teacher. So I relied on early childhood. To I teach was preschool. That. So I gotcha. I got you. I was preschool. You were preschool. So you taught it, right? And it's like, okay, we have sight, we have smell, we have touch, we have our hearing and we have our taste. But there are more senses and the other senses actually really affect the way that we interact with our world and the way that we behave on the outside. And so the first one that I learned about, and I used to be like the proprio what? That's what I used to call it, but it's called proprioception. And this is our awareness of where we are in relation to our surroundings. So if you've got a kid who's pushing or a kid who's bumping or a kid who's leaning, that kid is seeking out proprioceptive input. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or you've got vestibular. Vestibular is your sense of movement, how you move through space. So you've got people who love roller coasters, or you've got people who get sick the minute they get in the car, right? And that is vestibular. That is your sense of movement. And um, when I explain that to people, they're like, oh, you know, and to explain proprioception, 
on like a human level. It's the people who are daredevils who love to jump off of a bridge and go bungee jumping and it doesn't even phase them. And then the people who are absolutely like, no way, mm -mm, no how, you're not getting me there, right? And then you've got, the last one is really unknown to so many people and it's the introceptive sense. And that one is how we interpret our body signals. So that is your regulation. That is your need to go to the bathroom, your uh, sense of being full or your sense of being hungry. That's your sense that you're getting angry. So it's every way that our body is like telling us something and then we're recognizing it. And we already know that for so many kids, they aren't taught emotional regulation and they're not taught how to read the signals from their body. But if we taught them these senses at preschool, can you just imagine the self-awareness they'd have as they continue? I can already think of like an application for like the vestibular senses because we mm-hmm. have uh, hopefully this trip to Disneyland coming up for our Girl Scout troop this summer. And I say hopefully because hopefully Disneyland will open. <laughs> but yes. uh, like my daughter is scared to death of roller coasters and I am not and I didn't understand it actually until right now where you described the vestibular sense and she does get car sick. Like she complains about the bumpy roads and it being like makes her queasy. Now I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to teach her about this vestibular sense. So she has something that she's first more self-aware and that she could talk mm-hmm. to her friends about and be like, no, this is why. This yeah, is why absolutely. Absolutely. Audrey will get her because yeah. she has the same problem. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And then when you can give an input in another sense or calm one of the other senses, what can happen? And we're going to talk about this later, but So while she might be really sensitive to the bumpy road and she can't really do anything about moving in the car, right? You can't just not go in the car. But what she could do is maybe a weighted blanket over her lap might calm her proprioceptive sense or putting headphones on might calm her auditory sense. Sucking on like a peppermint might calm her and, you know, help her with her both her oral and her sense of smell. It's just not coming to me for some reason. (laughs) Why I can't think of what the sense of I I love it when you know something so well and the word (laughs) escapes you and you're just like, no, this is so ingrained in me. No, it's great, Dana. You're really (laughs) impressive because you're like interoceptive, proprioceptive, and it only makes sense that you'd be like, what is that smell? Oh my goodness gracious. Okay. Progress, not perfection here, guys. This just shows that I'm always always like that. that. Yes. We guess what? We're all allowed to have our little things. I call, I always tell my kids, that's why they had better be geniuses because they sucked my memory dry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I actually use my senses to help me. And typically before an interview, I'll put on different oils to help me really focus. And it makes a big difference. And I didn't put them on. Are you a peppermint (laughs) or are you a peppermint lover? I'm a peppermint lover. Actually not. No, I I don't have a problem with focus and energy. As you can tell, I'm like, yes, here I am. But word (laughs) retrieval is really hard for me when I get too excited. So putting on a brain oil, um, it usually has like, it's a mix. It's got like frankincense and some other stuff in it. And it just opens me right up. So I, I'm going to try that because usually at the beginning of interviews, like word retrieval is very hard for mm-hmm. me. And, but it, once I get in it, it becomes a lot easier because you relax yeah. and you're, you get yeah. into it. Yeah. Aromatherapy. Oils. Aromatherapy. Aromatherapy. Yeah. I got, got yeah. my little, I got my diffuser necklace on right I now. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so 
what are like two to three things that parents can do to bring healthy sensory processing routines to their home and figure out some of these challenges? Yeah. So one of the most basic things that you can do, I'm a big fan of involving your kids in as much as you can, making it fun. And one of the things you can do is create something called a sensory likes or dislikes chart. And so a simple, simple activity that you can do where you help build their own sensory awareness. And all you have to do is take a simple piece of paper, draw a line down the middle, on one side, you write, I like, and on the other side, you write, I don't like, or a smile and a frown, depending on the age of your kid. And then you ask your child about things that they like or don't like. So you can ask them things like, what do you like to look at? What do you like to listen to? What do you like to smell? What do you like to eat or drink? What do you like to fidget with? Um, How do you like to move your body? And then you can ask them the same questions for don't like. And you can ask them, why do you not like broccoli? Is it the taste? Is it the smell? Is it the color? Um, Because legitimately, it could be the color. Um, And so asking those things allows them to have a language for their likes and dislikes. So instead of just throwing a tantrum or yelling or refusing, then they can say, you know, I don't like when we're on bumpy roads or, you know, I don't like loud noises or, you know what, that just smells really strong. Can we move somewhere else? Right. So they're able to use their words instead of just blowing up. So my son will say like, mom, you know, I don't like when and he'll just list them out now instead of jumping straight to the blow up or the meltdown. So that's the first tip that I have. I love that. Giving kids the words to like express their like inner feelings and just creating that sense of Mm self-awareness. And I think it's better like as a parent, because it gives us more empathy when we know like what the true reason Mm -hmm. is behind it. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I, again, like you just said, I love the self-awareness piece of it because I think that's a big part that we miss. And like you just said, in early childhood, that would be huge if kids are able to start identifying those things Mm -hmm. at a younger age and then building with that, with their communication skills. So many, so many amazing things could, could come from that. Absolutely. What's the second thing that you suggest parents should do? Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, 
tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. So the second thing that I would say is once you start getting into the world of sensory, you can get inundated with all the ideas out there. You know, there's TikTok channels just for fidgets or for slime, and there's, you'll get advertisements for weighted blankets and for, you know, headphones and all this stuff. And you can feel like you need to add all these things to your repertoire. And so I would just say, stick with one at a time, keep it simple, and follow your kids lead. So kind of introduce them to the ideas of some of the things you could do scroll through Pinterest or scroll through Amazon, whatever it is, and pick Mm -hmm. just one. And then teach them out of the moment how to use it, but also let them explore how to use it. Because the way you might use a fidget might not be the same way they would. And if they're upset, they may not want that fidget in the moment at all. It may come throwing it like, yeah, come flying at your head. And so um, really helping them kind of play with why does this work? What does it make you feel? Again, that self-awareness of when can I use this? Just like we were talking about, you know, the aromatherapy, sometimes that works and sometimes it's way too alerting, but you'll see ads on Facebook And I know this person, so I'm not, I love them actually, but there's a, there's an ad that's gone viral and it's put your kid in a sensory swing and it'll make all the meltdowns go away. And unfortunately that's not true because if you put one child in a sensory swing and they're a child that gets alerted and excited by a swing, it's only going to make things worse. But if you have a child where it calms them and soothes them to be in a Mm -hmm. swing, it's going to be the perfect tool. So that's why you want to start with one at a time. So you can really see like, does this make a difference? Maybe it makes a difference in a different situation, not this situation. So that'd be my second biggest like caveat or warning that I'd give anyone as they start down this road. So what you said before about picking one thing at a time, like I think that is such great advice because I know a lot of the inclinations for parents are to create these calm corners and to stuff their corners with like all these calm things. And you're like, no, wait, stop. (laughs) Just pick one. Yes, especially with a calm corner, because think about it. Like I just told you that everything kind of builds with on on itself, right? And so if you build this elaborate calm corner with all these beautiful rainbow colors and you put all these these fluffy and Mm. textured pillows, especially like the mermaid texture, where for some kids that actually hurts for them to rub the mermaid texture. Um, And you Mm. put some like fuzzy pillows and then you put some noisemakers and then you make some visual, like aren't you already getting overwhelmed just by me describing it? Like that's our inclination. Let's make this great, beautiful, wonderful place But one, the kid didn't make it. Two, it can be more overwhelming to go into that space instead of less overwhelming. So you actually just want a place that for a lot of kids gives them a squeeze, which is proprioceptive. So it gives them a squeeze. It makes things darker. It gives them some pressure and it helps them feel safe and gives them that sensory input they need. They don't need a whole lot of stuff. Like my daughter's safe place is behind our big purple chair in the living room because she loves to squeeze behind it. 
She loves to put on her headphones, listen to her calm music, and just get behind the purple chair and squeeze up. And, that's all she and then once she's calm, she comes out. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. That's great. And it's so simple. Like it's nothing that parents have to yeah. like go like do a lot of stuff for. Cardboard boxes. Like make your safety place out of a cardboard box. Kids love it. They think it's super fun and it costs nothing and they can hide in there with one pillow. It's fantastic. I love everything that I'm hearing from you. So I'm I'm the youngest of two sisters. So the three, three of us total, sorry. And it's so crazy because all three of us have sensory processing issues and we never really knew we did until my mm-hmm. oldest sister became a physical therapist and worked in the, the special needs field. And then I, be, I followed in her footsteps, started working in early intervention. So it's so crazy once you started working in the field, because you're like, oh my gosh, I have this sensor. Oh, that explains why I always would get in trouble in class. Oh, this explains why all these things like only work for me in this way and why I always felt weird. So it's, it's so interesting because it's like you just said, this knowledge for parents is huge because it gives them the ability to understand their kids in a way that they never could before. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's really helped my children with their sense. Like they each have a little bit of sensory. My son has a little bit more than my daughter, but I can understand it and was able to explain it to his dad at the time because it was just, I'm like, I understand it. So I can explain to you like, this is kind of what's going on here. Mm-hmm. He had a lot of auditory overwhelm and now he also has some visual overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And so we have certain techniques we use, but if I didn't have that, poor guy, it would be hard. Yeah. Well, think about, I mean, this is the no guilt mom, right? So Mm -hmm. think about the guilt that moms carry when they don't want to be touched or hugged by their kids or the guilt they carry when they don't want to be in the room playing with their kids because they're too loud. And we're made to feel as moms that something's wrong with us for not being able to handle kids being kids. Mm -hmm. But if we understand our own sensory preferences, we're able to advocate for our own needs and say, hey, kids, I love what you guys are doing. Don't stop doing it. But I'm overwhelmed. I need to walk to another room or I need to put on my headphones or, Hey, I'd love to hug you, but right now I'm just touched out right now. My senses are on overload and I can't handle a hug. So what if you sit beside me and we just like do something together quietly. And then once I'm okay, you can hug me. Like it just empowers, not just the parent, but also the kids. Um, And that's why I'm so I'm so passionate about self-awareness being a huge piece of the puzzle. Yeah, because like when parents are seen advocating for themselves by the kids, Mm -hmm. then that gives kids permission to advocate for the things that they need as well, which is like you're teaching through modeling and it's amazing. It's an amazing result. So we asked this of everybody, what is your favorite hack to get kids to be more self-sufficient? So my favorite hack, and I'm always surprised by people who haven't really heard this, but when something's going on, when a kid seems overstimulated or understimulated, or like they're about to go into a meltdown and you just can't help, like our inclination as the parents to jump in and be like, you know, try this, do this. What about this? Well, last time this worked instead. Okay. How would you like to solve this problem? Like that's it. It's as simple as that. How would you like to solve this problem? And their answer may be way out in left field, but now you at least know what's in their head and you've got them thinking about problem solving and you've got them advocating for themselves. So now you can build the conversation from there. So like, that's my first one. And then my second one is make it as visual as possible. So 
because it doesn't add sensory overload when you're talking. A lot of times we talk, we talk, we talk, and it just can overwhelm kids more. But the more you can make it visual, just grab a pen, grab a post-it note. Don't go print something off of Pinterest because your printer may not work. Like literally go old school doodle style and just, you know, draw it down, write it down. Um, and that'll help kids be able to plan, advocate, and be more self-sufficient on their own. I love that. What's, what's one thing coming up for you that you're excited about? So I'm really excited because we have a new workshop coming up. It's called Meltdown Mastery. And it's all about how to handle meltdowns, tantrums, outbursts without losing your cool. And it's all about how to stay calm even when your child is crying or hitting or screaming at the top of their lungs. Um, we are going to show how to use something we use called Stop, Breathe, Anchor to remain calm. We also are going to share how to uncover the real reason the meltdown's happening and sensory just one of the six reasons it could be happening. And then we are going to also share a quick one, one, one plan for how to calm your kid down after the fact. And I'm really excited about this. It's a free workshop and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. That's awesome. And we will put a link in our show notes for sure. Fantastic. Yeah. So thanks for coming on. And like, this has been so great. Now I'm going to be, I'm going to be having a discussion about vestibular senses with my daughter and hopefully helping her get over that, or at least explain the roller coaster fear better. I love that. I have over on my YouTube channel, I actually have videos for super kids. And so I did a series called super kids Saturday. And so the videos are specifically explain it. They're silly. They're fun. And we explain there's a couple videos there explaining sensory. Very fun. We'll include a link to that as well. So perfect. Thank you so much, Dana. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. What I really loved about Dana was really paying attention to our sensory needs as adults, as parents, like we have sensory needs too. Right. And I think that that's really interesting. Having worked in the field of disabilities, Mm -hmm. I always picked up, well, I never knew I had sensory issues until I started working in the field. And then I'm like, oh, so that's why I am that way. Yeah. And I I have a few. And we were just talking about like one of of the moms in our balance group, Mm -hmm. she was talking about how her kids run around at night and they can be really loud and that's very difficult for her to process. And Mm -hmm. my heart broke for her because I am exactly... Exactly like that. Mm -hmm. You're not even allowed to like speak too loudly in the car when I'm driving because I can't handle that loud. It's an auditory thing. Right? I can't handle it either. I can't handle certain noises. Like we've heard in the office how I have the weird thing. Like I cannot have music play off my cell phone speaker. It has to play off our Google because of the sound quality. Like it just bugs me. And I can't put a finger on it or explain it, but it's just one of my sensory needs. Right. And do you have any other ones? Like I, I have sensory in terms of, gosh, I have a whole list of them. Like yeah. I, my food can't touch. Oh, if my food touches. I mean, I can handle the food touching because I'm a grown up now and I know I look weird, mm-hmm. but I'm probably the only 41 year old, you know, that has a full set of divided plates at home. Yeah. And we eat on it a lot. Oh, yeah. Especially if it's something that has a sauce, cannot have the sauce touch anything else. It makes me just like, blah. And then I also can't stand like certain textures. Something's either got to be a solid or a liquid. I can't handle the the like in between. Really? <laughs> no. That's so interesting. I've, I'm okay with textures. Uh, one thing that Dana talked about was the interoceptive uh, oh, yes. sense mm-hmm. with being aware of how you interpret body signals. And I don't feel like I'm very strong in that. Oh, really? Uh, because 
I I will keep going and going and going until my body fails me. And obviously it was giving me signals all along, but I have not been really attuned to listening to them. Man. So it's one that I think just being aware of. Yeah. You can get better with that one, but. Oh, yeah. And a really simple example too for, again, going back to early childhood on that one, when you're potty training, Mm. like talking to, you can have so much more success in potty training if you are talking to your child and helping them identify those signals that their body gives them. I know that that's not exactly the way that Dana was talking about it, but it's a really simple example of that and how it can be beneficial to, to listen to those cues. Yep. So we hope you enjoyed our conversation with Dana Abraham. And uh, until next time, remember the best mom's a happy mom. Take care of you. We'll see you later. Thanks for stopping by. Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.